0: everybody. Welcome to the beauty Biz show today. My guest is Eva DeVergilis and she is a veteran actress from New York city who early in her career took up makeup artistry as a means to pay the bills between gigs. So while shadowing some of the biggest names in the makeup industry, she really began to garner her own following. And after several years in the industry, Eva began to notice a pattern almost every single woman who sat in her makeup chair apologized for the way they looked. So her new passion became helping women look and feel their best. Now she's bringing makeup artistry and a message together by documenting the diverse stories of the women who sit in her chair and bringing them to life on stage. I discovered Eva one morning. I like to start my day watching TED Talks. And for those of you who don't know what a TED Talk is, TED is a nonprofit devoted to spreading ideas, usually in the form of short, powerful talks. You can find them on YouTube. But Eva has her own TED Talk. And when I listened and I thought, oh my goodness, she has such a powerful, beautiful, positive, inspirational type story. I got to get her on the show. So I'm really excited to share Eva's story and message with you. I got emotional during the call because what she's doing and the message she's spreading is so empowering to women everywhere in the world. So tune in, enjoy the show and visit Eva's website. So you can check out her Ted talk. She has it posted right on the homepage and it's really fun and entertaining and powerful. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to The Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Crete. I am a licensed esthetician, spa owner, and beauty biz industry coach, consultant, and educator. I'm so excited to share my love of all things beauty industry related with you. So I invite you to join me each week as I feature compelling interviews with industry educators and leaders, and inspirational success stories from my fellow beauty biz practitioners. Stay tuned for some powerful beauty biz inspiration. and welcome to The Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Cree, and today we have a very special guest by the name of Eva DeVergilis. Hi, Eva.
1: Hi, Lori.
0: Thank you for being here today.
1: Oh, I'm so excited to be here today. Nothing better than to talk about beauty and all that good stuff. Awesome. Empowerment.
0: Where are you today? Are you back east? I am back east. I'm in Richmond, Virginia. Ah, my mother lives in Virginia, Roanoke. I had oh, to- Sure think for a second, because she actually just moved there. I haven't been to see her new house yet. But are you from that area?
1: I am not. Uh, I am from up north. Uh, I'm a Yankee. I'm originally from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and uh, but spent most of my adult life about 12 years in New York City.
0: You know what? I am from back east as well. And I spent a lot of time in New York. Do you miss the pizza there?
1: Oh, well, my brother-in-law has an outdoor pizza oven that he makes like a real Italian dough from scratch. So I've got kind of a a hookup here in Richmond.
0: (laughs) You're lucky. Pretty much
1: the only one of its kind south of the Mason-Dixon line, I think. But um, it's pretty cool. But yes, I do miss just going up for a slice. You can just grab a slice anywhere
0: what was it like living in New York? I always, when I spent time there, it was quick. I was in and out as a flight attendant. I'd have a great 24 hour layover and then leave. But I always wondered what is life like living in New York city?
1: Wow. I mean, I went two weeks after high school and, um, I just had, I love the energy. It's incredible. I, but it is, it's a grind. Just doing your laundry is, is exhausting. Um, But it's, you know, the energy from cultures all over the world. And if and there's so many different opportunities for especially for people in the beauty industry. And it's it's energy, it's life, it's culture, it's food, it's it's everything. Um, But it's tough and it's expensive.
0: Yeah, it's (laughs) really expensive. Did you move there to become an actress?
1: I did. I went to school to be an actress. um, And so I went uh, to school right away to a conservatory first. Then I later went back and got my BFA from the new school. Um, And yep, so I went to be an actress.
0: And how did you find your way into the beauty world?
1: So yeah, good question. Um, I was waiting tables and bartending, and I was just going to jump off a bridge if I had to do that for another couple years. It just I did not like the late nights and then having to try to audition the next day when you've been up late. And um, I knew a few actresses and models that were in the industry of freelancing as makeup artists. And I was just lucky to kind of work my way in that way. I I started selling candles at Saks Fifth Avenue. Um, and of course, the candle section is in the the main floor where there's thousands of makeup artists everywhere and, and all these different makeup lines. And my candle stand was right across from... Uh, uh, makeup line Laura Mercier and I i kind of got to know all those girls and they saw me as a salesperson and as a professional and I, I kind of worked my way in and maybe tweaked a little bit of my resume uh, and uh, got to be a makeup artist eventually.
0: Made it work for you, the resume?
1: (laughs) Made it work. (laughs) Uh, Found a little, yeah, sure, makeup experience. Did my mother and grandmother's makeup for 17
0: years of my life. (laughs) Did you really do that? Because I used to do my mother's hair every Saturday night before she went out.
1: Yes. I, as a child, as early as I can remember, whatever primal thing it is in little girls, I had it. I wanted to do my grandmother's makeup, my mother's makeup. They didn't necessarily want me to do it to them, but they were very kind and they would lay down and I would do a spa treatment on them. <laughs> I just loved it. It's primal. It's uh, somewhere very back in the reptilian brain for us girls. It really for some is. of us. some of us. Yeah. Oh my
0: gosh, my poor little sister. I ha- There's this one like third grade picture, school picture of her where her bangs are like really up at the top of her forehead because <laughs> I decided I wanted to cut them. Yes,
1: I cut my friend's hair. I There was no reason why she should have let me do that, but I used to do it
0: all the time. hauling off. Uh, well, my sister had no choice. She, I remember I used to put the toilet like lid down and go have a seat. Her ears would, little ears would be burnt from the curling iron. Because, oh. And the best part was she's so happy in these pictures. She thought oh. she looked beautiful because her older sister did her hair. Oh my. Her
1: I, would, I mean, of course she would have been, I mean, if my older sister was doing that, I would have been like, oh, in my, <laughs> in my glory.
0: Oh, the poor thing. The abuse you get as younger sisters. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, well, on behalf of all younger sisters, thank you. I will take that (laughs) apology.
0: So you never had any formal training as a makeup artist? Oh,
1: God, no. Um, I didn't. I, you know, as an actress, you learn to put a lot of makeup on. My formal training was probably from a lot of wonderful... Uh, gay friends of mine who are fabulous makeup artists in, and and on stage and drag queens, and they taught me fantastic contouring and um, a lot of that. That's where I learned in the trenches on stage from my friends, and um, so that's my formal training was on stage and learning how the lights hit and how to bring out the my deep set eyes with more uh, brightness, and and then that translated. But yeah, um, I pretty much learned by asking, by observing, by by shamelessly just following people, by shadowing for free, uh, by training for free. I just asked and got and wanted to learn. I was just hungry and I wanted to not wait tables anymore.
0: Do you remember your first job as a makeup artist?
1: Um, my first job as a makeup artist. So yeah, I guess it was, it was at Laura Mercier and, um, just right there on the floor of Saks Fifth Avenue. And I remember they, they brought my first person. I don't exactly remember the first experience, but I thought, oh my gosh, if this person only knew and they dropped a lot of money with me, but, um, I just gave them a really natural look and I was so happy. I was just so happy. They, I knew I needed to just take care of them and make them laugh as a person. I think as an entertainer, my instinct is just to take care, to entertain a person who sits in in the makeup chair and make them feel comfortable and hear about their lives. And that's what I think I gravitated to
0: first. So you built connections.
1: And then the makeup came second. Yes, that, that always... I always trusted that as an actor, first and foremost, and I think I just took it to that and put them in the chair and let them tell their story to me, and listened.
0: When was the first time you thought, "Oh my goodness, I can actually become independent, kind of an entrepreneur, and make money doing this makeup thing"? You know, step out yeah, there.
1: I think when I so when I first started to freelance with with at Saks, and I was able to have a normal life and do auditions during the day, and then also take jobs as I want. And on my terms, on my schedule, I was paying my rent in New York City doing this very quickly. And then I started to get a following. Then people who, I mean, I wasn't even there at the counter every day, but people would want and ask for me. Then I had people who wanted to fly me to LA to do their makeup for a wedding. Then I would have people, well-known people who would remember me. So I think that's how I started to say, and then I'd get more and more weddings and people would request and I was doing it on my own completely. And I thought, wow, um, I can do this. And I loved it. It wasn't just a thing that I was doing makeup and, oh gosh, I don't really like to do it, but I want to be an actress. It started to really, when I was making money and being independent and not having to do the grind and smell like French fries at the end of the night, I, I really was excited about life and I was connecting with women.
0: You're a perfect example of designing something that works. Yeah. Because this did not take you away from the acting. You were doing something you loved on two ends yeah. of the spectrum, right? You're out there acting and you still got to help women look and feel beautiful and make money doing it.
1: That's exactly it. Man, paying the bills in New York as a young gal and, and doing both things that I loved. It was, the best, best case scenario for me. I was very, very lucky to, to learn that, to, to break into that.
0: I want to ask you a question because I love going into Saks. There are certain things oh, yeah. that I want to buy there, but the <laughs> women who work there seem to be very serious. Did you stick out like a sore thumb in Saks Fifth Avenue? Yes,
1: I, I did. They, you know, the num. first of all, they ask a lot of, of these people who work there. I feel terrible. I never had to work there full time in Saks, New York, but the numbers that they want you to to get the sales number each day. So they are serious about getting people in their chair. But yeah, they loved it. It it was a great thing when I would come in because I wasn't there every day. And it was like, yay, Eva's here. She's oh, crazy Eva. Yeah.
0: Let's lighten up the mood a little bit because That's these exactly women are it. all business.
1: I, <laughs> I, I have this thing I, I joke around. It's like, uh-oh, makeup emergency. Like, People get so serious if they run out of lipstick or they'll call and they're out of this cream and they get so serious. And I'm like, uh-oh, makeup emergency. This is serious. We are out of the crimson lipstick. <laughs> My God. And and people laugh about it and we say, okay, let's get some perspective here. We've got a myriad of colors and brands and and let's get some perspective, people. It's makeup.
0: Well, gosh, the first time I discovered your message about women, which is what I'd love to talk about, was okay. I'm 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 obsessed with TED Talks.
1: Oh yes, me
0: too. Can't get enough of them. And for those of you listening that don't know what a TED Talk is, it's TED is a nonprofit devoted to spreading ideas, and usually in the form of short, powerful talks, eighteen minutes or less, right?
1: Yes, uh, and they give you they allocate how much time you have, so it's always they'll give you a slot.
0: I listened in. I don't even know how I discovered you. One day I was listening in to a TED Talk and you popped up on the side and I go, oh, this is going to be interesting. And then when you started talking, I'm like a makeup artist, one of my own. She's in the beauty biz industry. How did... Okay, so you started doing... Because to me, this would be like the ultimate invitation to give a TED Talk.
1: Yes. um, It was a dream come true. For years, as soon as TED became a thing on the internet, my mother... And I would just send them back and forth. We're really into that inspirational, quick sound bite of like getting us off our feet for the day and going and she's a go getter too. She started her own business as an art dealer and so yeah, i I always loved it, and it was a dream. I couldn't believe um I was so I, I do the acting thing, and somebody saw me do a one woman show, and her name's katie benson she She was the producer, one of the producers of Ted. Uh, in Richmond TEDx and she said would you want to pitch something about makeup and you know write?" and I said well I've been writing it for the TED coming and she, I was like I've been writing the stories of the women who have sat in my makeup chair down forever and I would love to so I threw a pitch together she pitched it to the board and um, the rest was history and I I was so thankful I knew what kind of an opportunity it was, even though it's in Richmond, and I it's a small it would be a small audience. I knew the potential of it going online
0: well, viral, yeah. and it has that uh, there's so many questions I want to yeah, ask you, yeah. but this is exciting to me. I love it. And I start my day with TED Talks, and I'm always sending them oh. to my friends that I think need that message. And I posted yours on my Facebook page because I thought this is just so relevant to our industry. but Thank you. Did it go viral? Did it change your business when this happened? It changed my
1: life. In the past, it's been a little over a year. It's changed my life. I've always had an amazing life. I I feel like I I have a very charmed, wonderful life, but it changed my life in the past year. Um, People find me from all over the world, first of all, every day. I get emails, tweets, and messages from women from Iraq to the Netherlands to Australia to London every day thanking me. And saying, I feel the same way. I'm exhausted of apologizing for my... I'm exhausted feeling bad about myself. I'm exhausted thinking about my face or my nose every day. Thank you. Um, So in that way, it's changed my life. And also also my business. Um, As a speaker, talking about beauty, I've gone all over the country now. And I'm doing talks. And four cosmetic companies have brought me and flown me places and... So that's changed. And so many things, so very many things. So yeah, it was a game changer.
0: Can you tell me, because you were used to being on stage for me, the first mm-hmm. time I spoke in front of a crowd, I think I had four cystic pimples appear the week before and I was terrified inside and I kept thinking, yeah. okay, a duck, Lori, be like a duck. Just calm on the top and inside my whole being was going crazy. So. Um, oh, that's wonderful. A duck. That's I like yeah. that. You just got to stand Calm up on there. The yeah. yeah, and own it and inside, you know, breathe through it. But were you terrified mm-hmm. to do this? Like, tell me what was going through your mind mm-hmm. five minutes before you had to walk out and do this TED talk.
1: Yeah, I, that, what you're describing is how I felt the month of writing this. Um, I, I thought, who the heck do I think I am that I can write this? And TED talks, aren't really performance. I thought I'm bringing in acting and makeup stuff together and I'm kind of putting on a performance and then I'm talking to the audience and I thought nobody does that. What am I doing? I'm crazy. I'm not an intellectual. I'm not a, a CEO that everybody else I was speaking with were these extremely accomplished, like very wealthy, powerful women and innovators. So yeah, I questioned everything. And then I asked a, a really a well known writer in New York to read my talk before, and he was like, "Wrong, you need to change it all. Why are, you're you're they? If you're a makeup artist, you should just be talking about makeup. We want to hear about how you do your makeup. We want to hear the skills. We want to hear." And I was like, "He's like you're making it about you because I talk about b- body image and about women who sit in my chair." So he was, so basically at the last minute, I, I had this really well-known writer say wrong. So I went up on stage and I just thought I'm well rehearsed. I've done it a million times. Whatever will be, will be. But I'm, I have a wonderful boyfriend who said, Eva, you're writing it from the heart. It's, it's your story. It's what you know, and others will relate. And he kept saying that, nope, do not change it. It's your story. It's, it's, it's straight from your heart and soul. So that, uh, so I went with it and, um, I, I get a little bit of stage fright, but I have a lot of experience going on stage. Everybody gets it. I still get stage fright, but the moment before I I felt, well, here we go. I'm now or never.
0: How many people were in the audience? Oh,
1: it was, it was a nice crowd. Uh, co- a couple hundred.
0: Oh, see, when you said small, I'm thinking, did, were there 30 people sitting in front of her? Oh, no, no, no. This? It was
1: it were, There were a couple hundred. And it was a TEDx women, TEDx RVA women. So sometimes they'll have that, they'll have a TEDx and then they'll have a specific group. So I was lucky too that my TED talk, my audience was more specific so I could gear it towards women, which was a nice for me. It wasn't a generalized for the entire population. So that was a nice thing.
0: Are all the speakers backstage beforehand or do you have your own space to clear your thoughts? What does it look like backstage in a (laughs) TED talk? Good question.
1: Usually there is, there's like a green room, a waiting area, and they're usually very nice and they have food and treat us very nicely back there. And, and yeah, we just kind of a lot of, everybody's different. Some people can be talking and chatty backstage until the final moment. Most kind of get in their own space. I think a lot of the speakers do this professionally or in a business sense. They give a lot of presentations and they probably need know how to. I need to be on my own. I need to take moments and just sit in a chair and do relaxation and calm myself. Uh, and people get it. They don't try to disturb. I think it's a it's a performance. It's it's relaxation. It's it's an art form to get up on stage. It's scary. So everybody gets it.
0: I want to go back a little bit. I had no idea when I started doing this show that it would get me some of these people that I'm interviewing and you're one of them. It it brings up an emotion in me. And I think it's just like there's a powerful shift happening in our world. And that is you had this male, very well-known writer read your script. And I think in the past, everything was very masculine. Our marketing messages, our branding, Mm -hmm. our speeches, and it's shifting. It's becoming more feminine. So you owned that.
1: Yeah, I think it is. It's completely. We've we've seen it change from Dove, um, how their marketing has changed. We've seen it in so many, and it's working. I mean, my goodness, during the Super Bowl, I think I cried 17 times during the commercials. I, it's completely changing. They're using emotion. They're using all of those things. Differently. I think what it
0: is is people are what's what's creating a shift in allowing us, I call it business bravery. What's allowing many of us to step forward and really claim our business bravery is the fact other people are sharing their story. Yeah. And that's what you did. You just shared your story.
1: Simply sharing story. And it's not self-indulgence. It's when other people share their stories, you relate and you say, Wow, we are all in this together, we humans, and I understand what you're saying. It, because when you speak from the heart and you expose yourself in a very scary way, as soon as you feel that, oh, this is too much, that's when people say, oh, my gosh, I feel the
0: exact same way. That's when people connect with you. And I want that's you to talk you a little bit about this because yeah. I, wrote, I wrote it down on a piece of paper when I was listening to your TED Talk several months ago about your how you Let's just talk about this whole thing, like how makeup is a therapy puppet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, tell me what that means and how you came about this saying.
1: Okay. So, well, I think we all have, you know, a therapy puppet is a a little puppet to get people to open up um, like children or a, a therapist will use it to, so kids will talk to the puppet instead of the person themselves. So, makeup is a way for people just to open up. and And, I don't know. I just thought it was a funny a funny metaphor, I guess, because you know, sometimes you we don't just meet strangers on the street and share our hearts. but I when a stranger will sit in my makeup chair, makeup is the medium for us to talk about beauty and life and our insecurities and all these things. So it's it's the vessel for people to talk and to open up and to feel vulnerable and, and for me to take care of them. We can't just do that on the street. We would be crazy. So it's a really nice way to connect with, with other women. And I don't know. It's wonderful.
0: It's funny because my sister is a psychiatric nurse. Okay. And I'll tell her because I own a spa. I'm still working in it as an esthetician. And sometimes I'll share with her these stories that people tell me when they're laying on my table And she'll Mm -hmm. say, what do you have a truth serum there? Because people tell me more than they tell her who is clinically trained to help them.
1: Yes, I believe it. It, it, there's no pressure. There's no, I'm not writing down what, well, I might be behind the scenes, but (laughs) no names are used. But um, there's no, it's just, uh, there's human touch. There's love. There's taking care of somebody. There's, it's so special. It's such a special thing. And we relax and enjoy and where it's not just okay I'm here for this amount of time I need to get out all these things and I don't want to be judged and so yeah it's a non-judgmental if you do it right I think it's a relaxing non-judgmental space where you can cry you can laugh you can go through whatever you're going through
0: together and it, you know what mm-hmm. it is I think it's having social and emotional etiquette
1: beautiful with your
0: with your clients
1: I love that That's very true.
0: Because my clients say you're much less expensive than my therapist. And I leave here looking and feeling beautiful. So I want you to tell me when you discovered, was it an aha moment type thing or did it develop over time where you said every woman who sits in your chair apologizes about how they look?
1: Yeah, almost, almost every woman, um, because there are the group that don't, and I'm in awe of them and I, I'm, I wish I could be like them. And there's, there are those women who don't. And it's so great. Um, But almost every single woman does. Uh, They'll sit down and be like, oh, God, good luck doing something with this face. (laughs) Or, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I have this huge uh, breakout. Oh, I'm sorry you have to touch my face. Uh, um, Whatever it is, oh, don't look at my eyebrows. And, oh, my God, I have a mustache. Don't even look at my mustache. You know, whatever it is, they're apologizing to me. And it's like they have to get through that first and what do you it, say
0: to them now? I mean, I'm sure you've,
1: well, now they're like, Oh, listen to me. I'm re-, a lot of them. If they, they know I did this talk and so they'll oh, look at it. I just did it. I just apologize. And then we laugh about it. But for the most part, I, I don't, I don't, I just let them get it out. And I'm like, you look gorgeous. You look great and wonderful. And you know, we, I just get to know them. Um, But yeah, I don't, I don't shame them for it.
0: I try to bring awareness around it because I'll tell you, I do spray tanning. So I've seen more naked women than Uh probably Hugh Hefner. Oh yeah. Yep. (laughs) And it's the same thing. They always apologize for the way they look. And I had something powerful happen early on in my career. And that was, I was getting ready to go in the spray tanning room. And this woman who was probably in her very early thirties cracked the door open and looked at me and said, I want to apologize for my body. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I don't think you need to do that, but what's up? And she said, I've had a double mastectomy and I, her whole body was full of cancer. Her, all her female parts had been removed. Yeah. And I thought, oh my goodness, to apologize for that happening to you. Yeah. But I tell a lot of women this when they say, I'm sorry, I have a back roll or whatever it is. I said, listen, yeah. I want to tell you something that happened to me that made yeah. me stop complaining about my body. If your body's working Right. You that's gotta great. appreciate it and love it. So I guess maybe that's why I really resonated with your story too, because yeah. I've seen it firsthand how women beat themselves up over the way yes. they look.
1: Yes. I I like to also address it. I think I, I try to address it in um throughout throughout the hour or whatever, or forty five minutes or, or ten minutes that they sit. I try to address it that eventually getting around to how lucky and how blessed you are to be healthy and happy and me too, or I'll talk about myself um, in the sense of how I've been this way or, or apologize for my looks. And I'm, I'm really working on not doing that anymore. So I do, I try to always address it too. That's, that's a wonderful way to, to give a reminder to people the way that you say that that's, that's a very powerful message.
0: Yeah. And, and Good for me to hear. We, we all need to hear it, I think. Mm-hmm. And I remind myself of her a lot because she was young. She was really young. And that's what's, <sighs> you know, and you say there's a group of women that sit in your chair that never complain about themselves. Will you speak to who that is?
1: Yeah. And I so the group, I kind of divide it into two small groups. One is, is the powerhouses. These are the women who they could be either... CEOs, extremely powerful, or they could be stay-at-home moms. They could be, but there's this group of women who they just are centered. They don't worry about the way they look. They don't measure themselves by the mirror. They are grounded. They just don't, they don't go there. And that is awesome. And then there's the other group that I feel are very aware of their own mortality. I found that women who do have cancer uh, in many ways, that that have experienced that, are thankful to be alive. They don't apologize as much. Um, I've experienced this. I I know it's not everyone, and and, but I had a young woman who, as an example, um, who sat in my chair, and she was in her, I think, thirty three and she had just had a double mastectomy, and she just didn't say one thing to apologize about. She just was so excited about this new wig she was wearing, and she was positive, and she she didn't apologize. And then the other, and she just was thankful to be healthy and had just gone through six rounds of chemo. So she didn't. She didn't apologize. And and she was thankful to be alive. And the other really older women, this woman, she was 96 years old. It was her birthday. She didn't apologize. She said, <laughs> I think I look pretty good. Don't you? I think I look great. So, and I was like, Yes, they get it. And I say, Is that what it's going to take for me to either be 96? Am I going to wait till I'm 96, Eva? Am I going to wait till I'm possibly sick to appreciate myself? I don't want to do that. So those are the people I've seen consistently who a lot of times don't, and I don't want to wait that long. So with this talk, I'm trying to talk the talk. I'm trying to walk the walk and not just say, oh, everybody's beautiful. Isn't it great? I'm really trying to live it too and stop apologizing for myself.
0: Where are you speaking now? Like, can people, are you on stage in several cities? Cause you should be like, I feel like this is funny and emotional and people can relate and connect and it could be life changing if people saw your perspective on this.
1: Well, thank you. I am right now, um, working on a documentary about it and, and reaching out to all these people from around the world who are reaching out to me. Uh, so that is, so I'm not on stage uh, right now for that, for the TED Talk. I am in a world premiere of a, of a play that was actually written for me. So that's what I'm doing right now. But I'm for the beauty biz I'm doing on the beauty side, I'm doing the, the documentary and working on that.
0: Oh, fun. Now, can yeah. we talk a little bit about, you said something earlier, contouring, Yeah, back when you were at sex, but that's so hot right now. Is that something that's always been around and people are just paying more attention to it? Or is there a new technique that people are using to make it so hyped up in the media?
1: Well, yeah, I guess it, I think it's been around. It's been around for a long time. As long as there were cameras and in stage and, and drag queens, um, and changing your face to make it look more feminine, more angles, and certainly on stage you have to people are far away so you have to bring out your angles more otherwise the lights make you one dimensional so so yeah it's been around as long as there's been vaudeville and and people on stage and then camera and um but yeah now be with people are more willing to get that the mystique behind the magic of camera and movies now with I guess with all of that we want to we want to be everybody could be a celebrity now so the tricks are coming out the, the tricks of the trade and there's better products now so that you don't have to just slather it on for camera and stage there's more light reflective light products that you can walk around town in the light of day and not look overly contoured
0: That's one good thing the Kardashians are bringing to light. We're learning a lot of makeup
1: tips and tricks and everything. I will say that about Kim Kardashian (laughs) is that, you know, people give her a lot of of junk, but she really helped her makeup artist. And she, I mean, he's huge now and she really promotes him and promoted him, does YouTube videos for him, does videos. So I think how great for her that she 100% put herself out there and, and helped her makeup artist. Good for her.
0: My sister just saw her at a restaurant uh, maybe a month ago and said, yeah. you can't believe when you look at her face, how stunning she is in person. Mm, she, I believe. So my sister doesn't watch reality TV, but she knew who she was. And she said, it was almost like it took your breath away, her beauty. Wow. So I want to, her. there's a gazillion things out there going on in the market, but we always, I think in the beauty biz industry, have our favorite. Is there something mind-blowing right now that we all need to know about in the makeup world? Hmm. Mind-blowing in the makeup world. I mean, even a favorite, lip gloss, anything that...
1: Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. I Mind-blowing. I think... <laughs> <laughs> I love an Armani concealer.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm obsessed. The corrector with and
1: concealer, the old school. The I don't know. I need it—a corrector and a concealer. That to me, the the original Armani number two corrector and uh, the retouch. Their photo retouch is the name of it. Um, those to me, if you have dark circles genetically, I just I've got it genetically, and purple under my eyes, and really awesome vein going under my. correct it. It's, and it looks and it doesn't crease up. I love it. So that's one thing.
0: Okay. So I may botch the name of it, but is the Armani, I've only tried their foundation. Is the Armani Mm -hmm. concealer correct? And is it better than the Claude Poe? Is that how you pronounce it?
1: Yes. I I mean, in my opinion, because whenever I put on Claude Claude Poe, at first I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm glowing. It's covered up all my, my dark circles. And then the minute I, I smile, it's like, whoa. It's the San Andreas Fault going into many different estuaries. It's like so many. It's, it's too thick. It, it doesn't look real. It brings out wrinkles. Yeah, the Claire de Poe, two different formulas. The, the Armani is just becomes seamless with the face. It doesn't crease up. The Claire de Poe creases up.
0: Okay. You know what it, I've it, discovered? I find- recently for $3 at Target, (gasps) oh, what is e.l.f., their highlighting powder. Do you use that under the eye? Because I've had dark circles my whole life. Bad.
1: I will have to try the highlighting powder. I've used their HD powder. I think it's fantastic. Um, But I've not tried the highlighting. I'll write that down. Yeah. But what great prices?
0: Yeah. $3. And it's one of my favorite new products to use over the expensive stuff. (laughs) Yeah. That's
1: awesome. I will try that.
0: And what about, I'm a big, huge lipstick fan. Anything that mm. we need to know about in that area?
1: I love I love Yves Saint Laurent lipstick. They're, I love their lipsticks. But um, I'm a gloss gal. Me I too. Love me great too. Gloss. I love a great gloss. I'm a lip liner and a gloss gal. I put the lip liner on. Um, I love Yves Saint Laurent lip liners. I love Laura Mercier lip liners. And I kind of just, you know... Draw I don't really have a top lip, no problem. I draw it on <laughs> and um, like in a neutral color, and then I put on a gloss, a, a little bit of shimmer, and um that's pretty much my look. Are you still
0: hireable as a makeup artist?
1: Yes, I am still hireable. Uh, once in a while, I am still doing TV film gigs or but it's it's tough to book me in advance because it, far in advance because unless it's really far in advance because I have so many other gigs that come up as far as speaking and, and acting things. But yeah, I'm still hireable. You awesome. can still find me on makeupbyeva.com.
0: Perfect. And if you had to give our guests three tips on, I guess what, what your message seems to be to me is owning it, like owning your success, owning whatever it is you want to do, what would they be?
1: That's great. I, I think it is that. I think it's owning who you are. I think it's be kind and honest and very appreciative to the people who sit in your chair who come to you who are vulnerable uh keep studying and learning whatever craft you're in in the beauty industry be be and i think my overall with all of that is be consistent with it so people will keep coming back to you and so the next time you come you're not you know you're still kind you're still honest you're not um, not bringing your drama or crankiness. I find a lot of that in the industry, unfortunately. Where there's a lot of snarky, there's a bit of that, and I just I just encourage to just let that go. The judgment and people will return. And if you're consistent with that and you create the life you want, you'll you'll just be happier, and they'll keep coming back.
0: I think that you know, that's so powerful. And I just, the word kindness lately has been yeah. coming into my life in a beautiful way because I got to this point where I thought, God, people are so mean. And I got in a car accident. And if you could have seen the way people reacted on the Los Angeles freeway, I could probably do a play on that.
1: Oh, yes, you could. I was just out in LA and I've never cursed so much in my life as when I drove from Burbank to Hollywood. <laughs> i I'm not, I'm not proud of it. So I can imagine.
0: So, yeah. But you know what, then I think it had to happen to make me realize all the kindness in my life. So when you said that word, it was, it touched my heart a little bit. I think it is important in building a successful business. Yes.
1: It's, it's everything. And, and people want to know they're not being taken for a miracle cream. I, I don't think miracle creams equal beauty. I think, I think that kindness, I think a happy, fulfilled life equals beauty. Mm. And I think it's all about being kind. That's what we want and connecting with each other.
0: Well, with that being said, next time you're in LA, I live very close to Burbank and I would love to take you out for a coffee. We can talk about dark circles, kindness, and share beauty stories.
1: I would absolutely love that. Perfect.
0: Well, Eva, thank you so much for being here today. I know that everyone's going to love your message. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the message. I appreciate you. And I hope you have an awesome day.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you too. What you're doing is so great for the business. We need
0: this. Thank you. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. bye. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the beauty biz show. I hope that you're feeling motivated, inspired, and ready to step forward and invest in you. I know that I'm thrilled to be offering you the opportunity to join me in Phoenix, Arizona, August 2nd and 3rd at a five-star luxury resort where I'm going to be joined by my favorite industry leaders and experts. The entire two-day event is designed to be this year's premier business training for beauty biz practitioners, where we are going to be sharing tons of new age beauty biz success strategies. They're going to be thousands of dollars worth of business building gifts given away from the stage. I'm also really excited that Katie Anderson, the editor of Skin Inc. Magazine will be there to meet all of you. This is your opportunity to meet with approachable powerhouse type people and build your success Rolodex. Also Estatinis, which are my signature cocktail will be flowing at our cocktail party. This is an opportunity for you to build your success community and find accountability partners and other people you can add to your success Rolodex. I want this to be fun, memorable, and an experience that you walk away from feeling so excited and so full of business building ideas that you cannot wait to return to work. And as a special little surprise, your success training starts right away. I'm a firm believer that before success arrives, you have to be ready for it. So I've designed a special bonus gift. It's a pre-event training that you won't find anywhere else. I've never offered this before. Weekly, you'll receive mini success coaching lessons delivered right to your inbox. So from the time you sign up for the live event until the time you arrive in Arizona, I'm going to be reaching out to you each week to keep you on the path of dreaming bigger, living successfully, and planning it out accordingly. Consider this your VIP invitation to spend two powerful, profitable days with me, August 2nd and 3rd, 2015 in Phoenix, Arizona, having a ton of fun while learning my fail-proof system for making a lot more money in your beauty biz. Go ahead and grab your seat at www.estheticianmasterclass.com www.esteticianmasterclass.com. Thanks for tuning in to The Beauty Biz Show. I hope this episode leaves you feeling inspired to live beautifully. If you'd like a copy of my free report, Six Simple Strategies to Generate a Dramatic Increase in Your Beauty Biz Income, and fill your appointment book with valuable clients, please visit www.lauricrete.com. Or if you'd like to book an appointment at my spa in Los Angeles, please visit www.thespa10.com. Thanks again for tuning in to The Beauty Biz Show.